0: What does motion sound like? With Kizikans Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizzik.com socks. Love to kick back with a Big Mac? Ain't nothing you wouldn't do for a sausage and egg McMuffin? Well, good news. You can now order McDonald's on Just Eat.
2: Did somebody say
0: Just Eat? Sausage and Egg McMuffin served until 11am. Big Mac served after 11am at participating McDonald's. Check out your Just Eat app to see if there's one near you. Delivery fee
3: applies. I mean, the great thing about science ish, Rick, is that, of course, you can learn all the stuff that I've got in my brain. I mean, I know you love learning, and I know you love learning from me. Shall I tell you what I love learning from more? I, I can't believe there is
1: such a thing. There is. The Great Courses Plus. That's thousands of lectures in virtually any category from the world's top experts so not just your ill-informed musings about something you googled half an hour ago (laughs) and you get the flexibility to watch these lectures so i can be watching it on video and then think oh i've got to go off and do something else and then you just switch to audio
3: so you just put headphones in and off you go
1: exactly right nice if you use the great courses plus app which of course i do The course I've been really enjoying is Brain Myths Exploded. So this is a guy called Dr. Viscontis who explores some of the most fundamental myths about the human brain. What kinds of things have you been learning? All sorts. I mean, a lot of stuff about consciousness. Of of course, course. yeah. Yeah, Naturally. My my, my (laughs) go-to.
3: So presumably it even had stuff that you didn't already know.
1: It did, actually, which I was... Some senses was slightly disappointed in myself. (laughs) I (laughs) was like... I, I was using this particular course as a way of uh, massaging my ego. Right, <laughs> like, yeah. I'm just going to watch a course where I know it all, and yeah. it turns out I didn't know it all. Nice. But that's, good. that's I'm, good. I'm happy with that. Nice to learn. And I think that everyone who listens to Science-ish will really enjoy The Great Courses Plus, and that is why we've arranged for you, the Science-ish listener, uh, to have a special free month of unlimited access to all of their lectures. All you need to do is sign up through our URL, and that's thegreatcoursesplus.com, forward slash science that's thegreatcoursesplus.com forward slash science and then download the free the great courses plus app and you're off unlimited access for free for a month fantastic we are very
0: good to you for the last two years mike mcdermott has been doing the sensible thing Pull up a seat next to me. I'd like to. I can't. I can't. I don't play cards. Get out of here. But his best friend just got out of jail. We do what we used to do, man. You find the games, you scout them. I sit and I mop them up. Right now, he's ruining your reputation. If you Eight. don't give
1: my money, then you are the mine. Well done, Vanessa. <laughs> Vanessa doubles through. I
2: love lucky,
0: obviously. Huh? Congress is debating the legalities of online gambling, whether it's a game of chance or skill.
2: We have this tendency, I think, when it comes to luck uh, and skill to put things in boxes. We like to say that this outcome is luck, this outcome is skill. And I think there's also a tendency that if we're good at something, it tends to be skill. And if, it's, if we're bad at something, it tends to be the result of luck.
1: You are considered to be one of the top five poker players in the world, and you have made millions of dollars playing poker. Is that accurate?
0: Uh, yeah, I've made a bet. You were looking for that third three, but you forgot that Professor Green folded it on 4th Street and now you're representing it, you have it. The DA made his two pair, but he knows they're no good. Judge Kaplan was trying to squeeze out a diamond flush, but he came up short and Mr. Eisen is futilely hoping that his queens are going to stand up. Mark Johnston lost
1: half a million dollars in casino credit in 2014, and he was fighting to try to not have to pay that marker back.
2: Although in poker a single hand can be the result of luck, actually over the, the reasonable course of a game, Skillful players are more likely to come out
0: on top. Well, kiss my uh, ass. <laughs> kiss my uh, ass.
1: <laughs> Hello and welcome to Science-ish. I'm Rick Edwards, joined as ever by Dr Michael Brooks. Hello. So we take a piece of fiction or a bit of popular culture and ask one massive scientific question about it Uh, and this week I'm in charge. Um, On the podcast we've covered a lot of different areas of science so we've talked about black holes uh, for Michael's pleasure uh, to (laughs) curing Alzheimer's uh, for Michael's pleasure but now it is time to convert our knowledge of science into cold hard cash.
3: For Rick's Uh, pleasure.
1: Yes (laughs) we're going to be bringing science and maths into the casino, and we're going to bring down the
3: house. What are we looking at, then? So we're
1: going to be tackling the science behind the Matt Damon, Ed Norton classic, Rounders.
3: Ah. Oh. Seen it? Yes.
1: It's good, isn't it? It's a very good film, yeah. I haven't seen it for years, and I re-watched it, um, and it's very enjoyable. It's very straightforward stuff. So Matt Damon is a very good poker player, and he uh, loses a lot of money... To uh, John Malkovich, who uh, is enjoying himself a bit too much um, as <laughs> a dodgy a Ru- Russian, uh, isn't he? playing a Russian, and the accent is—I mean, it's
3: insane. <laughs> it's naughty, isn't
1: it? <laughs> it's really naughty. I feel like—I don't know—but if I was Russian, watching that, i
3: might <laughs> be find insulted. It <laughs> but anyway, oh, it's, uh, it's a good uh, film, though. I mean, it, and it at is, the end, it's tense. tense it is as you, it like. you sort of know what's going to happen, obviously. But at the same time, there was a point where I just w- screamed at the at the screen. Green. No, no! Yeah. Stop
1: it! Stop, Stop it! No. Yeah, no, I know
3: the point. Yeah,
1: <laughs> because uh, uh, Ed Norton is Matt Damon's oh, kind of um, nightmare mate, who's been in jail and is just—he's a, a goon and he just sort of ruins everything. Like he's—he's he's quite a good poker player, but also he cheats. Yeah, and so they get beaten up and all that kind of stuff. He's got
3: no judgment at all. about no, like when to cheat, none, and when not to cheat. None, no, I mean ideally, just don't cheat at
1: all. Yeah, just get Matt Damon to play because he's ideal at it. Yeah. Um but they go through the film and they're trying to like pay off some debt. Uh, and then it, it finishes with, obviously, another head to head between Damon and uh, Malkovich, this uh, <laughs> extraordinary Russian.
3: <laughs> In a tracksuit. Yes. So, what are we going to ask? What's our big question? Can science beat the casino? And who did we track down to knock this question out of the park?
1: Uh, We've got Adam Kucharski, who's Associate Professor of Mathematical Modelling at the London School of Hygiene and Tropical Medicine. What? I I know, I know. I know. Doesn't sound like high-stakes poker. But this guy is all over the maths of betting and has actually written a whole book about it, which is really good, uh, called The Perfect Bet, How Science and Math Are Taking the Luck Out of Gambling. So we started by asking him to paint us a picture of how maths and gambling come together.
2: Maths, of course, have been around for millennia, but historically, a lot of it developed around geometry, around shapes and, and the physical world. And it really wasn't seen as something that was directly applicable to a lot of these games. Of course, people were, were gambling in, in bars and in gaming halls for, for a long time, but it was only really um, during the Renaissance when this Italian physician called girolamo Cardano Uh, started to develop uh, a lot of the ideas about how likely uh, an event is. Amazingly, until that point, people have really just seen dice rolls as something of good luck or bad luck. But then he thought, well, how can we measure that? How can we work out the chance of something occurring? And he outlined what mathematicians call a sample space. So if you want to know how likely something is, you need to work out what all the possible outcomes are and then of those, which are the ones you're interested in? That gives you your concept of probability because it's the chance of one event you're interested in occurring out of all the possible things that could happen.
3: Okay, so let's do it.
2: So one of the benefits of being able to outline all the combinations of events that can happen is, is you can define a probability. And then for something like a lottery, you can work out, um, if you bought a single ticket, what your chances of winning. Um, would be, and obviously for for a normal lottery, there's there's millions of combinations. It's it's unlikely that ticket would be a winner.
1: Drawmaster John, Willen, please stand up, Lancelot. Nine point seven million pounds at stake tonight. John, please.
2: Press the... There is a way you can guarantee you'd win, and that's just to buy up every single possible combination of numbers. In other words, cover this entire sample space of possible outcomes. And again, in in a normal lottery in, in the UK lottery, it would cost you about ninety million pounds to buy up all the combination of tickets so it's it's not something that's worth doing to buy a jackpot that maybe is is going to be a few million not all lotteries are the same Um, in the 90s the Irish Lottery had a much smaller number of possible outcomes.
0: It's Saturday the 27th of October, and we're coming to you live from Studio 2 here in RT on this bank holiday weekend. Shortly, we'll have our Lotto Plus selection, but first of all, to our weekend Lotto draw. And
2: it meant that if you bought up every single possible combination of numbers, uh, it would cost just under a million pounds to do. So in other words, you could buy the jackpot for just under a million. Uh, In most weeks, the jackpot was a few hundred thousand, so it wasn't really worth doing. But if a rollover came around then potentially there was a profit.
0: Now, there was no winner of the jackpot last Wednesday evening, which was worth £1 million. And so tonight's jackpot stands at £1,568,852.
2: And and this is what an Irish syndicate did in the early 90s. They got hold of a lot of tickets and and by hand filled out all of these combinations. Um, And then they waited. They waited for about six months until uh, the bank holiday in, in 1992 when the rollover hit uh, about 1.7 million. And they put their plan into action, they took all these zip- filled outs, um, and then went to shops and, and bought up the corresponding sets of numbers. Uh, the lottery weren't so keen on what they were doing, although it was, it was perfectly legal, it was it was frowned upon. And as a result, when the, the jackpot came around, they'd only made about 80% of the, the possible combinations they'd need to buy up. This
0: evening, and it's number 19, Yvran Lidyeok. Fifth number is eleven, Ibrahim Our sixth
2: number for our weekend Fortunately for them though, they they did have that jackpot, those winning numbers. Within the tickets they'd uh, bought up, uh, slightly less fortunately, uh, there were two other winners that week, so they had to split the prizes. Oh, don't
0: forget to check your tickets to see if you are a lucky winner in our Lotto Plus draw.
2: But actually, when they added up all of the match four, match five, other combinations, they, they walked away with a few hundred thousand pounds in profits. And I remember seeing that story years ago when I was much younger, and it just seemed like this amazing example of how a very simple bit of maths can have a very powerful outcome on a gambling
3: result. Yeah, so, I mean, even when you know everything, so you've got, like, this idea of, you know, okay, let's sort out the maths. It doesn't apply to everything, does it? So it might apply to national lottery gains, but not to scratch cards, say.
1: Yeah, so it's interesting. With, with scratch cards, in 2003, this guy called Mohan Srivastava, who is a statistician but working in geology. So he'd do stuff like the bee exploratory uh, drilling to see if somewhere was suitable for mining, and you get all of these different bits of data about various mineral contents, and he'd try and look for the unifying pattern to say whether that's a good place okay, to, to yeah. drill or not. Yeah. So he bought a couple of scratch cards. Um, and uh, one on one of them. And as he was sort of going to go and claim his winnings, he was looking at the numbers on the cards and from a statistician's point of view, trying to work out how those numbers would be picked because obviously the illusion is randomness. But because the people operating those games must know exactly how many winners there are, it actually can't be random. There has to be a system or an algorithm. Yeah, yeah. And so he set about trying to reverse engineer that algorithm, which is kind of like his day job, really. So he was like, okay, given these numbers, can I spot the patterns? Yeah. And he was able to, without scratching off the bit under the foil, he could, uh, with, I think it was like 80% accuracy, tell you whether a, a card was going to be a winner or not. How? Essentially, on, on these scratch cards, there were tic-tac-toes, so they're noughts and crosses, lots of noughts and crosses grids with numbers on them visible. And then on the left hand side you have the numbers that you need to scratch off to reveal. Right. And what he could do is he could look at the visible numbers and by observing the frequency of the numbers on that whole card, he could tell you whether you were gonna be a winner or not. And I think when he, he flagged this up with the manufacturer of the thing, they just hadn't realized. They had they had no Sorry, idea. Sorry, did he flag was, it up
3: before he'd scammed them or he, he did actually, yeah. Wow, what a guy!
1: And he got ignored, and then he did a thing where he <laughs> sent twenty cards to to this guy and said, "Okay, I can tell you that these ones are un- unscratched; these ones are winners, and these aren't." Um, and the guy, and having never heard back from him, within uh, like he said, within an hour, he got a call because the guy was like, "Ah, yes. <laughs> now, how have you done that then?"
3: Right. All right, so that's scratch cards. That's not the same as beating a casino, isn't it? You know, can can math help you with something like roulette?
1: Yes, kind of. So the thing about roulette is that it isn't totally random. Like it, it feels like it's random, but it's not random in the way that um, you know quantum is is oh, random. Thanks for that. Um, yeah, no problem. Um, it, it's actually deterministic. Like if you know, if you think about just sort of Newtonian physics, if you know. Um, where the ball is released and the velocity of the ball and how the wheel is spinning. You oh, yeah. will so be able, all you, the variables. Yeah, if you know all the variables, all you the initial conditions, yeah. then, then yeah. you'll be able to work out every time yeah. where that ball lands. Practically... I mean, it's tricky. It's very tricky. So a couple of maths guys called Edward Thorpe and Claude Shannon developed a wearable computer that they had in their shoe <laughs> that could measure the initial conditions. No. Not. Brilliantly, but well enough to give them a significant advantage. How big was this shoe? Huge. uh, (laughs) uh, It was three metres. So it was quite conspicuous. They they worked as
3: clowns. (laughs) (laughs) They've come in disguised as clowns again. So presumably Thorpe and Shannon got chucked out or discovered at some point.
1: Yeah, I mean their, their little shoe computer was actually um, joking aside quite small. It's like the size of a cigarette pack, I think. Okay, uh, but so, ul- ultimately um, the casinos, <laughs> white stuff. Were yeah. Like, but by the way, we're banning all yeah. of these computers. Yeah. No so electronics that we allowed. Find anyone using them, um, shoe or otherwise, uh, yeah. you're, you're out and you're in. Right.
3: Here. People generally aren't very good at that kind of mathematical thinking, are they?
1: Not, not especially. No.
2: There's a few mistakes and psychological quirks that often crop up. One of the, the best-known ones is what's known as the Monte Carlo fallacy. it's an idea that, for example, if you're looking at a roulette table and red comes up, say, 10 times in a row, it's this idea, well, a black must be more likely. And, of course, if it's a, a random roulette table, on each spin, black and red are equally likely. But psychologically, if we've seen a lot of one result, we think... Almost the other one is due. Uh, and again, this is just a psychological quirk. It's not actually something that is necessarily happening. Another thing that's observed a lot in horse racing um, and in, in some sports is what's known as a favourite long shot bias. That If we see um, a horse that says 100 to 1, we, we actually think its chances of winning are more likely than is in reality and has
3: been hammered, and
2: so has and it may well be that it's actual chance of winning say 500 to one but because people think well maybe it has a shot that's brought those um those odds down so it seems that unlikely events sometimes we focus more on um than we perhaps should are other things that, that more generally in gambling come up. Um, one is known as gamblers ruin. This is a situation where people, when they win, tend to up their stakes. So if you've had a good run, you start betting more and more. But when people lose, they don't reduce the amount they're betting. And the consequence of that is that over time, you're pretty much guaranteed to go bankrupt. That If, you, if when you lose, you don't decrease the size of your bets, then you're essentially going to run yourself into ruin over time. Uh, the final very very strong uh, psychological pattern which happens in gambling is the nature of, of a payoff, whether the outcome of a bet is variable and, and how much that changes. To give you an example, say you had a, a machine that you put in £10 and it gave you £9 back every time. Clearly, no one would use that machine because you're just chucking away money. But if you had a machine where you put in £10, and sometimes you didn't get your 10 pounds back, but sometimes you got 1,000 pounds back. On average, that might have that same payoff profile. You might on average be losing about a pound per bet, but because it's a variable payoff, because sometimes it pays a lot and sometimes you lose, it's more attractive psychologically than something that just will always cost you money.
0: ...to meet the mysterious winner of that $315 million Powerball jackpot. The lone winning ticket for the May 19th drawing was sold at a shop right I
2: think here. there's a lot of elements of, of games that try and latch on to these psychological weaknesses um, we have. I think one thing in particular that casinos and, and bookmakers in general try and do is very much get people to focus on the winnings uh, as well in, in lotteries. Good
3: afternoon, everyone. We start today with some amazing video. The moment five Ottawa-area men found out for sure... That they had won $60 million dollars.
2: Having people with those massive checks celebrating their win is incredibly good publicity. And so these companies work very hard to get people to focus on the chances of winning rather than the vast majority of outcomes, which are people
3: um, losing their stakes. So, as we said, basically, people are idiots, they can't be rational, and they have sort of misguided notions of what's actually going on
1: yeah yeah I, I i met a um a guy at a dinner recently who said that he had a roulette strategy and i was like oh. do you now <laughs> <laughs> i looking at him thinking i don't think he's got a computer in his shoe <laughs> so i'm all ears and he's like no what i do is i go over to the table and then i wait until there's been i think it was like five reds in a row and then I just lump all on black.
3: Oh, no! <laughs> I, was like,
1: I didn't really know what to say. I was just like, but you know that that doesn't work. And he's like, well, if you, but of course it does. Like, Think about it.
3: Wow. Yeah. See, so at that point, I'd have got out a coin and said, I'll tell you what, let's do a bit of heads and heads or tails. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How much cash have you got on you? It's so common,
1: though. Going with your intuition right. is a very bad idea when it comes to probabilities because we are intuitively dreadful probabilities yeah that's classic gambling like even when you totally understand what's going on people just get sucked in yeah yeah and do stuff that is illogical given what they know yeah they start going on they're just like oh, i've got a hunch i've just got a hunch i've got a feeling i'm on a streak uh this has got to turn around at some
3: point they're people like the... are like idiots i mean there's the interesting thing is i mean in the the film in rounders mm-hmm. yeah Matt Damon repeatedly says, "Look, poker is not about luck. It's a game of skill. Mm. I mean, is there an optimal strategy for poker Well it poker's too too complicated. A lot of
1: it is about playing your." it's not playing the hand you're playing, play, it's your, playing opponent. your opponent yeah. so there's that great scene in the film where he goes to see his his law professors all playing a game oh, and yeah. he walks in and he just tells them all exactly what they've got just from watching their reaction as as they look at their cards yeah. and then as the other cards let, get laid down and it's probably a slight exaggeration but i think really good poker players can do something yeah. like that they just read their opposition amazingly yeah. look for look for tells and so on. Right.
3: So so then all you do is move on to a different game. Maybe there's like blackjack is the obvious one, isn't it?
1: Yeah, so blackjack there is something called basic strategy. So it it's knowing um exactly what you should do given any hand and given what the dealer has. Uh, at any any time just just the probabilities really and you can memorize that so when me and uh, my best friend lenny went to vegas we memorized the Uh, the whole um, legend like all of the basic strategy (laughs) um and and it works like it doesn't give you a so the um the casino will have about sort of two and two and a half percent five percent edge on, on the player, generally, in, in Blackjack. But if you use basic strategy, you can reduce that right down to about sort of half a percent. Why, so pretty, why is it not even between... Why does the dealer have the advantage? Because that's how casinos make money. And so the thing with Blackjack is you're trying to figure out ways of gaming it. So that, And this is really not cheating at all, just ways of playing um, effectively and, and efficiently so that you are reducing the house edge. Right, okay. Um, and that's, that's basic... Strategy, but you can take it um, one further by then doing um, card counting. So, what you're interested in is to know what proportion of high cards there are left in the pack. Yeah. Um, because high cards, they favor you. If there are more high cards left in, you should start betting more. And the way that you do it is you just attribute values to every card that comes out. So, if it's two, three, four, five, or six, you say that's. They're all minus one seven, eight, nine. I think you say is zero, and then 10 jack, uh, queen, king, ace. I think you say, uh, has a value of one, and you just keep a running tally. So I, I deal you a six, and you go, Okay, minus one. I deal you a, a 10, and you go, Okay, that's added one on. So I'm back to zero. I deal you an eight, stays at zero, and so on. And you end up with a number that will tell you. So if it's significantly positive, then there's not many high cards left in that pack, yeah. And therefore, you shouldn't really be betting because the odds are stacked against you. But if it's a negative number, you should start betting in because the, 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 the odds are in your favor yeah. Oh, yeah, sorry.
0: Okay. I'm going to make it five. Okay. Oh. Worm and I fall into our old rhythm like Clyde Frazier and Pearl Monroe. We bring out all the old-school tricks, stuff that would never play in the city. Signaling, chip-placing, trapping. We even run the old best-hand play. I can probably crack the game just as quickly straight up, but there's no risk in this room. Now, some people might look down on worms mechanics, call it immoral. But as Canada Bill Jones said, it's immoral to let a sucker keep his money, like they teach you in 1L. Caveat emptor, pal. I got the boat. that stung, Birch. Worm really has become an stung. artist, too. Discard calls, pick-up calls, overhand run-ups, the double duke. His technique is flawless, but his judgment is a little off. A few times I have to fold the case hand just so it won't be obvious. Still, he plays the part of a loser to perfection. Flush. I got the full house. I got the queens over the aces. Ah, fuck.
1: You know what? Fuck you and your
3: never-ending string of boats, okay? Hey. So if you head down to a Kentish Town casino tonight yeah. and you are card counting and you're yeah. winning at blackjack, are they going to hate you for that? And well, they can't stop you doing it? Well, they can, actually,
1: um, which is
3: sort of... Oh, I, I, well, they I say, say, oh, you're cheating by working out probabilities. Yeah, I, I, I mean, that's what the game's all about. Well, that's disappointing.
1: It, it is It is disappointing. Um uh, but also, I think it's just really unfair. Like these are people who are just being good at the game. Yeah, they're not. They're absolutely. There's there's nothing nefarious about it. But if they see you concentrating, <laughs> like really concentrating, and then increasing your bets, they kind of know that you're that you're card counting. And then what will they do? They'll just boot you off. They'll just say, "Okay, that's enough. You're not playing here anymore."
3: I think that's really unfair. I think it is. Unfair. I don't like
1: it. Could say, "Hang on, if card counting is that effective and can give you an edge." then why don't casinos stop having blackjack at all?
3: Because there's loads of idiots out there. Because there's
1: loads of idiots. There's people who... Well, obviously, most people not card counting. Then you've got loads of people who are just rubbish at card counting. Yeah. Um, you've got people who are just who just get... Drunk and even if they if they were good at it, so that effectively is what happened to me and Lenny. So we were, <laughs> after, three, after three days, we were up, and then on the last night, I barely even remember it, but I know I was absolutely lashed and we got back. Oh
0: um, no, discipline and, uh,
1: and and yeah, that's it. And then just and, and lost all of our money. Oh um
3: you're like the edward norton character quite frustrating we
1: were a bit edward norton yeah
3: i mean so so the problem you've got is that you kind of think you've got a system and you think maybe you've got some skills and you're on a run of luck and and you can't really tell the difference whether you're being lucky whether your system's working or whatever you know i mean it's all pretty tricky isn't it yeah it really is
1: Here's how they stand at the moment. Peter Eastgate over 120 million. Ivan Demidov with about 16 and a half million. We
2: have this tendency, I think, when it comes to luck uh, and skill to put things in boxes. We like to say that this outcome is luck, this outcome is skill. And I think there's also a tendency that if we're good at something, it tends to be skill. And if, it's, if we're bad at something, it tends to be the result Eastgate of luck.
1: Looks at ace five off suit. He limps in for a half a million.
2: But there's, there's a lot more nuance to this and a lot of the history of gambling has shown that it's not so simple as saying that was a lucky outcome, that was a skillful outcome. We can get um, good de- good decisions that result in bad outcomes. We can get bad decisions that result in good ones.
3: All in. All in and an
1: it
0: ends call. And this is the moment 22-year-old Peter Eastgate steps into poker history. For those of you guys out there who play poker on the internet, I don't know if you've heard about this, but Congress is debating the legalities of online gambling, whether it's a game of chance or skill. So I talked to Increasingly,
2: you know, in recent years, we've seen um, a lot of interest from, from a legal standpoint and from, from a company standpoint about how we define luck and skill. In the U.S., for example, uh, a few years ago, there was a big crackdown on, on online poker and poker in real life
0: at bluefirepoker.com. They're a poker training school and they want to basically put their money where their mouth is and prove to the government that winning at poker takes more than just luck. So they're offering one million dollars to President Obama or any member of Congress. You hear that, guys? To play a game of poker against one of their site's professional poker players.
2: A lot of the debates and the court cases came down to how you define gambling. Poker in U.S. law isn't explicitly defined as gambling. But there were laws uh, About playing games where the outcome is predominantly the result of chance. So, a lot of these legal cases really came down to this question of is poker a game of skill or a game of luck? And lots of mathematicians and economists weighed in, showing in the end that although in poker a single hand is the result, uh, can be the result of luck, actually, over the, the reasonable course of a game, skillful players are more likely. To come out on top.
0: Let the joint ride all the way out. It's kickoff day right here for Fantasy Football two thousand. And it's not just
2: in in poker we're seeing those debates. In the US, there's been this huge rise in fantasy sports where you can you can pick a team or or put money and and try and work out certain it's time results. To
0: kick it, off. it is time to get it started. NFL two thousand eighteen Fantasy Football.
2: There's often be said that it's not gambling because there's this element of skill, and in fact, um, some recent research by mathematicians looking at these, these fantasy sports and looking at how good the skillful players are actually seems to suggest that some of these fantasy games may have a higher element of skill than the real-life sports that they're trying to predict in terms of the consistency of some of these top players.
0: What's up, what's up? Yeah, I'm ready to go. Goon squad, what up? Tonight, big draft, big money on the line. With a $100,000 first prize for, uh, for the overall, overall draft? Right? First goal is to win the league.
2: I think we're going to continue seeing it even um, in in the world of, for example, financial markets, that in the UK you can spread bets um, on financial markets. And because it's gambling, the way that tax is dealt with is very different, for example, if you place financial bets in somewhere like Australia. And I think we're going to continue seeing these kind of discussions as people realise that perhaps games that were traditionally luck involve more skill than they thought, or things that are thought to be skillful actually may be more dependent on chance.
3: Not sure I really get this. So fantasy sports betting is basically got more skill in it than the real life sports that they're trying to work off, they're predicting from. So
1: what's Yes? Which is fairly surprising, isn't it? Yeah. So a mathematician um, called Annette Hosoy was asked by one of these fancy sports operators in, in the States to do some statistical analysis to work out. Whether their games were skill based or or luck based, and so what she did is she started plotting uh, data. So you'd get real players to uh, to to play the, the the fantasy sports lineup game. So effectively, what you're doing is every week you probably noticed you're just picking players. Um, to try and do well in your team that week and they get points according to their their performance. Fine. Exactly like we play with fantasy football.
3: Um, Or fantasy cricket in my case.
1: Oh my God. Um, And then, genuinely?
3: Genuinely in my club. We we, we all have a fantasy league that's us in it. So, so people will pick me.
1: No need for you to bring that up. You've mugged yourself off so much. <laughs> I'm not ashamed. Uh, you should be. Anyway, so yes, like fantasy cricket, <laughs> um, uh, and then you you get computers to uh, to choose teams entirely at random, and then you you compare the performance, and you see that the 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 people do do much better than if you were just picking it at random. So that immediately tells you that there has to be some element of skill. Yeah. And then you do something where you you tweak the way that the computers are picking it. So you give them a few sensible parameters and then you plug those values in and you see that still the good human players outperform the computer. So you start getting this idea that actually the, there's, there's quite a lot of skill involved. Yeah. And you can develop a metric that measures the relative skill involved in any contest. And, and you can see that interestingly, uh, poker comes out, as pretty low skill, so a, a, oh, a, lot, really? of, a lot of luck. Um, uh, basketball, because there's so many chances to score, comes out as quite high. So there's a lot of skill involved, and these fantasy sports games also come out pretty pretty high. So the, there's there's more skill involved in them than there are against oh, the amazing. games that they're
3: that um, that they're, that they're yeah. selecting from. So if you're good at those fantasy sports things, you should be proud of yourself.
1: Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of there's a lot of skill. I mean, there's a lot of money involved. Is that like
3: people are doing very well. So what about something a bit simpler like uh, rock paper scissors?
1: Yeah, So you would think that there would be absolutely no strategy whatsoever to something like rock paper scissors, except that but
3: if as as with poker, you're playing against a person, aren't you? Y-
1: you exactly. So so let's just okay. Let, let's just let's do it and see if, see if it works. Okay? All right. So okay. So we go one two three and then show. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. One two three. I've beaten you, yeah. So you've beaten me. Everyone and so knows the, that scissors
3: is a rookie move.
1: So, well, no. So, the theory is that if you're playing against a novice, and I just assumed you're a novice, um, <laughs> that they the novice thinks that the strongest thing you can start with is always rock, yeah, and therefore they think that their opponent is going to start with rock, and so they go with paper. So, I was expecting you to go paper, which is why I went scissors, scissors. you mug, but actually. You're such a novice
3: <laughs>
1: that you didn't even get that far. Oh, you is just that what went, you think?
3: rock is strong,
1: um, and so you went. I'm not even going to tell you rock. my
0: strategy. Yeah, <laughs>
1: that was your strategy. No, it
0: wasn't.
1: <laughs> um, but yeah, so so and and if you if you play using that, it it will tend to work relatively well,
3: right? No, it didn't
1: there. Clearly. No, no.
3: I mean, part of the thing is is that humans are not good at randomizing, are they? So. Rock paper scissors is all about being random, really unpredictable.
1: So amazingly, um uh, this this game um scissors paper stone was used by um an electronics corporation that was selling um 20 million dollars worth of Picassos and Van um, Van Goghs. Um, and they they were like uh, what do you reckon, Christie's or Sotheby's? And they couldn't really decide. they were like, they're pretty good. And so they said, okay, you're, gonna, you're just going to have a single round, of scissors, paper, stone. Um, and
3: uh, well, between the two, between Sotheby's and Christie's, people yeah, representatives of the auction houses,
1: exactly. And so Christie's um, said uh, to the, <laughs> like someone's eleven-year-old daughter at the gut, or eleven-year-old daughters at the, uh, the company, what would you do? And they talked through that sort of basic strategy of like, well. I think the novices will tend to go
3: paper, <laughs> so go right. scissors.
1: They did it, and they beat, um, uh, uh, and they beat Sotheby's and, and won won the contract.
3: Nice. Really nice. I bet there was a nice cut as well. You'd assume so.
0: Didn't I tell you? Play within your means, you risk your whole bankroll. I tell you not to overextend yourself, to rebuild. You're going to hock for more. I was giving you a living, Mike. Showing you the playbook I put together off my own beats. There wasn't enough for you. Listen, you know, this is one time I don't need you to tell me how I fucked up. I know I fucked up. What I need from you is money. I need whatever money you can give me. See, that's the thing. This time there is no money. I give it to you, I'm wasting it. That's fucking great. You did it to yourself. You had to put it all on the line for some Vegas pipe dream. I took a risk. I took a risk. You, you see all the angles. You never have the fucking stones to play one. Stones? You little punk. I'm not playing for the thrill of fucking victory here. I owe rent, alimony, child support. I play for money. My kids eat. I got stones enough not to chase cards, actions, or fucking pipe dreams of winning the World Series on ESPN. You want me to call some people? Try and buy you some time, I will. But about the money, I got to do this. I got to say no. It's
3: fine. All right, so we've been through roulette, blackjack, poker. Um, What's the answer to the question? Can science beat the casino?
1: maths and a clear mind and a big shoe with a computer in it yeah can definitely help you
3: right
1: I mean poker's probably your best bet because you're playing against people
3: yeah but
1: then the maths is so fucking hard I don't really know what the answer is is
3: well I think the answer is to wait for some absolute goon to come to the table
1: yeah I mean always wait for a goon and bet against a goon yeah I mean that's not really science that's just common sense (laughs)
3: I'll take that
1: Next week, we'll be talking scientific monstrosities by marking the 200th anniversary of Mary Shelley's genre-defining book, Frankenstein. Science-ish is a Radio Wolfgang production presented by me, Rick Edwards, and Dr Michael Brooks. The producers were Coat McAuliffe and Ivor Slayer Manley. Edited by L. Scott. Special thanks to Professor Adam Kucharski. If you like the show, please subscribe and rate and review us on whatever app or wherever you listen to your podcasts. You can also find us on Twitter at science underscore ish.
0: <laughs> I think
3: shoe computers should make a comeback. I mean, oh, don't you one. think? Yeah. I, quite like, I quite fancy no, you're one. you
1: still using an iPad. I've actually got a oh. shoe computer.
3: <laughs> Google Glass? <laughs> what a loser.
1: Uh, but genuinely, Google Glass, what a loser. <laughs>
0: <laughs> from working from home lunches to meltdown midweek dinners... This year, our local takeaways have
3: been there for us. Now you can be there for them. The Just Eat National Takeaway Awards are back to support
0: restaurants when they need it most. Nominate your favourite local restaurant and you could win free takeaway for a year on Just Eat. TNC Supply. See nationaltakeawayawards.justeat.ie for details.